0: Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Gostola, Managing Editor for Shadowproof.com. It's the Dissenter Weekly for June 22nd. Uh, So thank you all for joining us. And there are a few really important stories that we have to get to, like uh, the Pegasus spyware scandal, as well as this harsh, this extremely harsh sentence that the U.S. government wants to issue against drone whistleblower Daniel Hale. But before we get to those stories for this week, Brian has some things for you. Hey, Brian.
1: Hey, how's it going, Kevin? Good to see that we are both uh, on the same page with our fashion uh, today, both wearing the blue shirt, (laughs) got our uniform on for the show. Uh, Really excited uh, for what we have in store for you today. Thanks for joining us. Um, Just make sure that where you're watching, you're following so that the next time we do this broadcast, you know about it. Um, and if you want to support our work, you can do it during the show. If you're watching on YouTube, we should have a little tip jar on there. Um, you can also go to shadowproof.com slash donate and give, um, or you can subscribe to Kevin's fantastic newsletter at the dissenter.org, which we will promote at the end of the show. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get to our first story uh, for this week. We have Edward Snowden ban trade of spyware like Pegasus. Why don't you bring us through this first story, Kev? Yeah, so uh, this was a massive, major story from the
0: last week. Uh, We've got all of these organizations uh, that have participated, come together to work on covering this Pegasus spyware that is uh, marketed and sold to, uh, uh, they covered 10 different countries specifically. And uh, those countries are countries like Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, uh, and uh, countries like India and even Mexico before uh, the current president, Obrador, was elected in Mexico. Uh, And so uh, these are clients. uh, The the company is called NSO Group. It's an Israeli uh, surveillance company that does this with uh, the consent, uh, the tacit encouragement of the Israeli government. And we'll get into that. But I first uh, wanna start with what Edward Snowden had to say, NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden, because he came out with one of the most profound calls of action in response to what was, what was seen. Um, and so the spyware, just so people know what Edward Snowden is is talking about the way it infects your phone. And this was detailed um, in in multiple outlets, but the Washington Post actually had a pretty good breakdown of the way this tool called Pegasus is able to violate the security uh, and exploit vulnerabilities in Apple's iPhones. And essentially, uh, there, it's, it's primarily done through iMessage of you receiving it. It's a zero-click exploit. And once it's in your phone, it can get access to the data and and do all kinds of, of spying and basically take control of your device. And so that is very useful and, uh, and, and I'd say appealing to these governments that have uh, journalists, human rights activists, and political opponents who – they want to target. So these journalists, uh, these media organizations came together for this project called the Pegasus Project along with a a group that I believe is based in France called Forbidden Stories. They've been putting out stories throughout the whole past week. Uh, I'll Just go through the roll call here of the international outlets. Some of this reporting isn't gonna make it to the United States media. You have to go seek it out, but also the Guardian and the Washington Post, uh, primarily the English outlets doing coverage have been putting out good reporting. The only thing is the Washington Post coverage is behind a paywall. So it's hard for people to access. But then again, the Guardian coverage is, is available. There's Arrestagi Noticias. There's Daraj, which is based in Lebanon that had a story about how uh, the uh, this tool was deployed against uh, Yemen's ministers. Um, and I believe that was by... Uh, the united arab emirates did uh direct 36 uh haritz knack lemond uh lesour and occrp processo radio france so zeitung and uh, then the wire in india and uh actually the revelations have had the most uh, divisive slash um uh, I'd say they've been the most explosive in India where it was found that the opposition party leader who ran against Narendra Modi um, was uh, targeted with this tool or was on the list of numbers that was leaked. So this project called the Pegasus project obtained um, a list that had 50,000 different numbers And they went and uh, sifted through, found the country locations for these phone numbers, and they reached out to these people who were targets or potential targets. And they sought to confirm that they were targeted by NSO Group and this Pegasus tool on behalf of these governments in which they have contracts. And obviously, the disclaimer they give is that this is supposed to be for national security or for um, intelligence purposes. Uh, for going after criminals, et cetera. And yet you have all of these individuals that have uh, been profiled and listed out in these stories and it's shown that in fact, uh, the tool is not being used in just that manner. And so we hear from in this clip that we're gonna play here. Um, it's possible that many of you have already seen it, but I think it's important because we're showing it covers whistleblowers to air. Um, what N- NSA whistleblower Edward Snowden had to say I think he spoke with the most credibility. Obviously there are people out there who are from press freedom organizations that had good things to say, important messages around what this means for press freedom that this tool is available. But Edward Snowden being that he has this credibility exposing the mass surveillance apparatus of the United States um, can, can also speak to the fact that there's this industry where people are marketing and selling spyware to governments, which includes authoritarian leaders, um, authoritarian governments, and, and those can be used to deploy. Uh, th- this is deployed against those who threaten the power of those authoritarian governments. So, so let's, let's play this clip here of, of Edward Snowden. Uh, it's possible we won't play all of it, but we'll play um, a, a good chunk of it so that you can get a sense of what Edward Snowden had to say about this massive and important story.
2: So, Ed, could you just give us your initial reaction to the findings of the Pegasus Project? This is everywhere. This is an industry that should not exist. We're seeing what the NSO Group, which is sort of the most famous of these guys is up to, uh, but the NSO Group is only one company of many. And if one company smells this bad, what's happening with all the others? I, I mean, when I look at this, what the Pegasus Project has revealed is a sector where their only product are infection vectors, right? They, they don't, um, they're not security products. They're not providing any kind of protection, any kind of prophylactic. They don't make vaccines. The only thing they sell is the virus. Um, and I think saying that they only sell this to government doesn't make that better when you look at who the targets are that have just been revealed. There's been a number of surveillance leaks and disclosures over the years. No doubt the most significant was yours. How do you think this one compares? This is certainly one of the most important. Uh, You know, these are major newspapers, major institutions that we rely on. Um, This is peeling back a curtain that we have never seen done before, this level of granularity. In the past, you've called smartphones a spy in your pocket. Do you think this confirms that? I think it's actually worse. Uh, when I said there's spy in your pocket, uh, it's the potential, it's the capability, it's the fact that you know um, these things are are talking to the mobile phone network and tracking your locations. You've got you know Facebook spying on you, uh, but these are largely commercial programs for commercial purposes. What we see now are people uh, creating an industry to. Hate those phones and go beyond the level of spying that already previously we knew existed. And now they're actually taking control of that phone fully and turning it against the people who bought and paid for it, but no longer truly own it. And the thing is, these phones are clones. When we're talking about something like an iPhone, uh, they're all running the same software a- around the world. So if they find a way to hack one iPhone, they've found a way to hack all of them and they are doing that and they are selling that. That is a knowing, intentional, willful attack on critical infrastructure that everyone must rely on. Uh, It doesn't matter what flag you live under, it doesn't matter what language you speak, uh, we all have skin in this game. What needs to happen now? We have to stop this. Uh, Inaction is no longer an option. If you don't do anything to stop the sale of this technology, It's not just going to be 50,000 targets, it's going to be 50 million targets and it's going to happen much more quickly than any of us expect. Uh, The way we do that is to halt the trade around this technology. Uh, It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you do. Your position isn't gonna protect you. If you're a minister, prime minister, guess what? You're on the list. You're Supreme Court Justice, you are on the list. If you're an ordinary person, guess what? You are on the list too. All you have to do is come to the attention of somebody with the money to pay any one of these companies for the tools to break into your phone. For people reading these stories and All right, you can this interview. The- so um,
0: this is uh, a, a big thing. Uh, and as you heard from Edward Snowden, it's as important as any of the revelations about what the U.S. government's capabilities are when it comes to violating privacy through whether it's NSA surveillance tools or any other agencies surveillance tools. Uh, And he has the right prescription, which is that you have to ban the sale of these spyware software tools, so to speak. And uh, we can move on to the next story. But as, as we shift into this next story, I will remind people that this isn't the first time we've heard about these kinds of spyware that are deployed for these purposes. In fact, we can go back to 20, uh, 50, uh, early 2010s when WikiLeaks was working on the spy files project and obtained files from the hacking team. And they dug into this industry and some of its capabilities. And in fact, those emails do feature the NSO group in those files. Um, and so, let's go to this. The countries that are implicated in this spyware scandal all have one thing in common. And uh, you're going to put the, we're going to put the article on screen. One of the stories that the Guardian has published uh, as part of their package of stories for this, they have these details. So this is the this is the person who is the uh, that image at the top. Just so people know that's it's Chalev Julio who is the chief executive. And as 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 far as everything goes right now, it's just been denial after denial from the NSO group that their weapons grade spyware system is even being deployed for these purposes. But we scroll down in this article um, and we find out that in fact, this is something where uh, basically the Israel government is very encouraging when it comes to the use of this tool and, and they stand to benefit from these countries using this tool, it would seem. So the Guardian story says, in the case of Saudi Arabia, sources familiar with the matter said the kingdom was temporarily cut off from using Pegasus in 2018. And uh, for several months following the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, uh, but was allowed to begin using the spyware again in 2019 followed the intervention of Israeli government. And the fact that Pegasus was... Or was was part of what happened in the chain of events around this murder and, and the fact that the Sim- Saudi Arabian kingdom was implicated, that was actually in the coverage of this murder at the time. Uh, but we get some more detail about the dynamic here of Israel allowing Saudi Arabia or encouraging Saudi Arabia to use this tool. Uh, the, you know, we, don't, we don't really know from any Israeli official why They're asking the NSO to reconnect surveillance tool for Riyadh, but the Guardian writes, the 10 countries that the forensic analysis for the Pegasus project uh, was done, it it suggests that uh, that these countries all have trade relations. So all of these countries, Guardian wrote the sentence really weird. Let me simplify it for you all of these countries enjoy trade relations with Israel or have diplomatic ties with the country that have been improving markedly in recent years. That's what the Guardian has in their article. And they point out that both India and Hungary who are on this list, I neglected to mention Hungary and and, and Viktor Orban in my earlier setup for this, this part of the show, but it appears that both of those governments began using this technology Um, just as or after their prime ministers met with Benjamin Netanyahu when he was Israeli prime minister. They had these encounters. They discussed trade and security cooperation. And then once it was clear that Israel was no enemy, um, everything was good, they were buying these wares from the NSO group. So what you find is that these countries that are implicated are – basically on the side of, of Israel. They're not critics of Israel. They are on board with most of, if not all of the policy of Israel. So, um, we can go on to the next story. Uh, it occurs to me that you guys might be hearing a vacuum cleaner in the background.
1: Brian, is that, is that, it's very faint. It's not too bad.
0: is, Is that audible? Okay. Um, it's, uh, I wish I had more control of the space around me uh, because that is definitely in my ear. So if, if it looks like I'm distracted or I'm not making coherent thoughts, it's because there's like an auric or, you know, I'm trying to be vacuum whisperer and be like, I know what brand the the vacuum is that is making it difficult to do this show today. But anyways, so uh, let's move on. Uh, This is a really critical moment that we find ourselves in because for me as someone who has covered these leaked prosecutions on a regular basis, uh, the government under Biden administration is about to take this next step uh, to expand the harshness of their prosecutions against whistleblowers who make unauthorized disclosures to an extent that hasn't been seen before. Uh, Of course, it all is gradual. It all builds on top of each other. Every unfair, unjust case stacks on top of the other, and they keep on adding more and more years to the sentence that somebody can get for a leak. And they they keep on making what these people have done more criminal than the last. Uh, If one person is being sentenced five or 10 years ago for two years. Now they are being sentenced for five to seven years um, or or more. And uh, it it seems to be that this government is content to keep pushing that range of what people can be sentenced for when it comes to the disclosure of documents on national security operations or our military, which include truths that we need to know. They're content to keep pushing it further and forward, further until I think eventually they're going to want these people to be in prison for, let's say, 15 or 20 years. I don't know where it ends because they seem to be really intent on expanding the severeness of the punishment that is handed down. So Daniel Hale, for those of you who who may not know, just very quickly, is a, a whistleblower who revealed information to The Intercept that was published as part of the drone papers this was published by Jeremy Scahill. it was part of his book the assassination complex Daniel Hale ghost wrote a chapter in the book this is all happening this all happened back in uh, 2014 2015 Daniel Hale was in the Air Force um, he was part of the he, he had a had a he was involved in the drone program a, in Afghanistan I believe and then he came back and he became a contractor at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency because he needed money in order to go to college. So he joined and he worked there and he said he was only going to be there for a short amount of time, about six months, and he ended up leaving. And so then uh, he, he was raided uh, five or six years ago, several several years ago. He was raided under the Obama administration, he was not indicted and then time went on and on and time went on and on and time went on and on. And then it was a couple of years ago under Trump that the FBI showed up to his door and uh, he was arrested and he was formally indicted by the justice department under Trump for his disclosures. And now he's in jail. He was put in jail because of his psychiatrist who essentially ratted him out and spoke about his mental health as if it was a cause of concern that he might do harm. And they put him in a jail in Alexandria Detention Center and he lost his freedom while he awaited sentencing after he pled guilty on March 31st to one charge. He's pled guilty to account of violating the Espionage Act. This is another Espionage Act leak prosecution, but there are four other charges under the Espionage Act that he has not pled guilty to, which is I think the source of the vindictiveness by the justice department. They're very upset that Daniel Hale is trying to have some kind of control or influence over the kind of sentence that he's gonna receive when they claim he won't take responsibility for all that they have accused him of doing. And primarily they say, He needs to accept that his release of the documents risked uh, grave uh, or sorry, exceptionally grave or or risks serious damage to the national security of the United States. And because he hasn't, they want nine years. Uh, They're playing a kind of dirty game where if he would be willing to agree that he risked exceptionally grave damage that then, Uh, they would be willing to give him like seven years and three months in prison. So he's at this point where uh, he pled guilty. He pled guilty, hoping to get five years in prison. He didn't go to trial because he didn't think he could put on a good defense. He wouldn't have a public interest defense. And then now the prosecutors are not willing to, as John Kiriakou, CIA whistleblower told me, play ball. They were willing to talk with John Kiriakou in his case. He ended up with a plea agreement of 30 months for uh, alleg- over-allegations that uh, were under the Espionage Act. But in Daniel's case, they won't do the same with him. They won't uh, accept the fact that he is is willing to take responsibility. They are... Uh, very particular about what it means that he's accepting responsibility and it's it, it reflects a vindictiveness on their part that they insist on all of this not to mention there is now secret evidence that they have introduced into this case it was submitted to the judge we the public do not get to see it the claim is that Daniel Hale by disclosing these documents put information out there that ISIS was able to access, leaders of ISIS were able to access, and they took two of the documents that involved watchlisting uh, watch listing or uh, the way these uh, terrorism operations are conducted or how people are placed on kill lists. And uh, that information I get was passed on to uh, people who are followers of ISIS in a internet compilation video or I mean, was, they put together a kind of guidebook for their followers and use these documents. That's the allegation. And the allegation is just as reasonable and just as acceptable to me as the allegation that was put against Chelsea Manning, because one of the things they said about Chelsea Manning, when they accused her of aiding the enemy that was thrown out, not accepted, not not, it didn't have much weight in the mind of the military judge because she was acquitted of aiding the enemy. Found not guilty, but they tried to make her out to be a traitor by saying that Osama bin Laden in his compound on his computers, he had copies of WikiLeaks documents and they tried to criminalize Chelsea Manning because terrorists have access to the internet, just like you and me. And uh, it's absolutely ludicrous that someone uh, should be held responsible, because um, they are accessing this material, you know, and um, if, if, if it's dangerous for them to have this material, I suppose it's also dangerous for us to have this material. And so what they're saying is that none of us should have the truth. Because if if, if we have this truth, then then people who the U.S. are fighting on uh, the the battlefield. And and obviously they've declared that the entire world is the battlefield. So it could be a whole range of militant groups. But what the U.S. government is effectively saying is that um, because it's dangerous for them to access this information, that none of us get to access the truth of what our government is doing in our name when it prosecutes war, which is a very convenient excuse, a very convenient cover story to conceal a whole host of illegal, immoral, and criminal conduct on the part of, of of this American Empire, so that we don't get to know who is being killed, why they're being killed, and uh, and even contest whether they should be killed by this government, and that's what Daniel Hale opened up a conversation around. is like who where the people that were being targeted and killed by this program and who are the people who are the collateral damage, who is, who are the people we should be concerned about for that. He is facing the harshest sentence in any leak prosecution. And I'll conclude this part of our show by just saying that I reached out to Billy winter Davis, who is the mother of reality winner NSA whistleblower reality winner who is serving the rest of her sentence in home confinement. And I asked Billy Winter Davis what she thought about the fact that the US government is invoking this sentence that Reality Winner received. And at the time when she was sentenced back in, this was like three, three to four years ago, at the time that she was sentenced, that was the harshest sentence ever issued. And this is something that the U.S. prosecutor, U.S. Justice Department bragged about in their press conference after the sentencing hearing. And I asked, what do you think about how this sentence that Reality received is being invoked to argue for an even more severe punishment against Daniel Hale? And what she told me is that it makes makes her sick to her stomach that the government is doing this with Reality's sentence. And I think that's primarily because reality did not receive a fair sentence. She received more than five years in prison for one single document. And so they're using that as an uh, inappropriate baseline. And because there are multiple documents charged in this case, I think there's around 10 different documents that they charged Daniel with disclosing to the, uh, to, to Jeremy Scahill and, uh, So they say, well, because look at those documents and look at how they compare to reality winner's case. And that's how they're coming up with the nine-year sentence. It's despicable. And uh, they say in their sentencing memo that Daniel Hale wanted to be a rock star, like uh, he worshipped people like Jeremy Scahill, who were journalists. He worshipped these people. He wanted to become a journalist like them. They accuse him. Of wanting to become a journalist, and so he could go around and have good sex and uh, do this kind of work, uh, and uh, I, I suppose they would carry this out and say that they would get all this publicity, publishing the government's secret and most sensitive documents, um, and, and and use that to build that he would use it to build up a kind of rock star image. But Daniel has done nothing of the sort in the time that he's had to, to, uh, since, since he disclosed these documents, you know, the document disclosures took place more than five or six years ago. So there's, there's no evidence. In fact, he's been quiet about it. There's a great feature, a, a, a feature story from the New York magazine it was done by Carrie Howley. I'll recommend that everyone go find and read it. It's headline, call me a traitor. Because Daniel actually objects to being called a whistleblower. I mean, he, in a, in a good way, he feels he betrayed his government, and that it's an it's an honor to have betrayed the government because of what they do on a daily basis when they are, are prosecuting wars uh, in, indefinitely and 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 killing and doing all of this that he exposed. So you can go read that, and you can see just how. Deep the lies run in the U.S. government's narrative around Daniel Hale, and uh, we'll stop there. There'll be more to say on J- on July 27th. He's being sentenced. There'll be much more to say, and uh, I may be posting some additional videos to this uh, to to our YouTube channel about Daniel Hale's case because of its significance. But uh, we should we should be wrapping and and continue on to our Assange update that we do every week. And here uh, we are going to play a clip that it somewhat tied, well, it definitely does tie to the beginning of our show when we talked about Pegasus because in this clip that we are going to show here, uh, the, the Mexico president, um, I usually just say AMLO because I'm an American and that is like my get out of jail free card to <laughs> not botch his name. And so this is AMLO who is speaking about how he believes uh, Assange should no longer be in Belmarsh
3: prison. Todo esto, pues debe de desaparecer. Eso es lo más importante. La no repetición, el que ya no se espía a nadie. Por eso. Es importante la investigación que se hizo a nivel mundial y también por eso eh, fue importante lo de Wikileaks en su momento, que Assange debe de ser liberado porque está injustamente en la cárcel tratado con saña por dar a conocer algo parecido que yo creo que hasta de más alcance porque nadie debe ser espiado. All right. And uh, because
0: we released this as a podcast version for paid subscribers, And uh, send this out uh, with the stories to people who are subscribers so that they can get some additional value from this show. Uh, This is the translation for what you just heard, uh, because not everyone listening speaks Spanish. All of this needs to disappear. That's what's most important, the non-repetition to stop spying on anyone. That's why this investigation is important, which... Uh, which was uh, covered, uh, which we had out worldwide, and and this is also why the WikiLeaks moment was important. Assange must be freed because he is imprisoned unjustly, treated viciously for making similar information known. That I think had an even larger reach because nobody should be spied on. And so um, this is a this is a really strong statement. I think it's one of the strongest statements from a world leader in. Uh, on Assange. And also it's happening right in the backyard of the United States, the very country that is trying to extradite Assange and take this step that threatens global press freedom. And in my view, empowers dictatorial governments because they're able to point to the United States and say, how dare you question the way we treat our people. You're putting a journalist in jail. So uh, this is happening right to, you know, neighboring country of the U.S. and it infuriates the U.S. government, infuriates the U.S. government so much. This isn't the first time that Mexico has spoken out. When the extradition request was rejected, Mexico, Mexico sing, signaled that they were interested in granting asylum to Julian Assange. And so uh, because of that willingness to give him asylum, they came to the hearing over his bail, and they said that a real fear was if Julian was allowed to be released from Belmarsh, that he might go and uh, seek asylum from Mexico, and then they would no longer be able to extradite and prosecute him in the United States for these crimes that most organiza- organizations recognize are not even crimes. Um, they're, they're, they're within the scope of, of journalism, this is this is a criminalization of a journalist. And so you know, he's taken a stand. And he also says he says that the WikiLeaks materials that were disclosed years ago. I think he's referring to the U.S. diplomatic cables that had several incredible revelations about Mexico. Uh, I think he's remembering what that revealed. And you know, there was some there were some documents that exposed the extent to which diplomats are involved in a kind of uh, being deputized into uh, acting as, as spies for us intelligence agencies, uh, collecting biometric data at the, at the United nations, uh, it, collecting all kinds of information um, and, and, and working as uh, essentially kind of like uh Espionage agents for the intelligence agencies, rather than just conducting diplomatic relations. So the rosy picture we have of diplomats working with other countries to come to agreements—it's—it's it's not so. It's um, also that our intelligence agencies have them working to forward and bring back information. So this is a this is important uh, that uh, Obrador is. Uh, making this, making this kind of statement, but also makes him an easy target uh, because he he's holding himself out there. Uh, so you'll see criticism, and you know, he was accused of basically slapping Biden in the face on the way in. And I've seen some stuff that you know I, I'm not sure if we can even confirm, but it, it it seems to stem from the fact that he's been independent and not a full supporter of Biden. That you know, he's been accused of being supportive of Trump, but I don't really know exactly what that stems from. So, uh, so so, if that happens to be true, someone can pass information along to me, but um, I'm not sure what interest you would have in, in being a, a supporter of Trump. Um, he comes from the strand of leftism that the CIA and other agencies in the U.S. have been working to suppress in Latin America for the last 50 to 100 years. And that's why he's open and willing to give Julian Assange some kind of safe haven so that he isn't going to face prosecution. And uh, with that, we will wrap up our show. Uh, I want to thank you all for tuning in and watching, listening. Uh, the newsletter is the org, And if you go there, uh, you can become a... Subscriber, it's it's free, but if you become a paid subscriber, you'll get uh, more content, and uh, you'll get this as a podcast version, and you'll also be able uh, to you know see the links to the stories, uh, and you'll be funding journalism, and we are going to work to continue expanding this newsletter. It will take a little bit of time. Uh, we have to establish our presence with this newsletter it's just a project of shadow proof but uh, eventually we we hope to have you know one or two contributors every month with some new pieces so it's not just the reporting that I do but we also have voices that are doing work on whistleblower related press freedom stories and all agree with what we agree because as an organizing pr- principle I, I think that, whistleblowing is a human right, and that everyone should be able to dissent against their government. And we want to protect and encourage, not only in the US government, but in governments throughout the world, and also in corporations and in in institutions. That includes unions that might have very cozy ties with protecting state powers, etc. You know, all of this has to be protected so that people can speak up and say what we need to know, um, and, and how it imp- impacts our, our lives. And so that's why we speak up for people like Daniel Hale, Reality Winner, and uh, continue to cover these kinds of cases through the show. So with that, I uh, I turn it back to Brian because I know we published some stories this past week. Uh, we could plug those stories uh, they were um, important this is, this is work outside of the dissenter, but part of what Shadowproof does to cover policing and prisons.
1: Yes, thank you, Kevin, and thank you for that uh, very thorough and informative show. Um, we have been publishing some stories at Shadowproof we've been working on that you might've heard me mention. Uh, one piece was concerning uh, a quote-unquote new vision for parole in Georgia Uh, which is a great piece by an incarcerated writer that I hope you all will check out uh, named Sea Dreams. Um, And then the other piece was a Marvel Cook Fellowship piece by our friend Nicole Froyo, um, who wrote a fantastic long read on uh, the abolition movement from an international perspective. She spoke to track down and spoke to organizers all over the world, in South America, in the Middle East, and uh, all over the place, and spoke to them about uh, They're organizing. How it differs from abolitionist organizing in the United States, um, the barriers to solidarity uh, between uh, people organizing in different parts of the world. So, really fascinating story. Highly, highly encourage you read it. She worked very hard on it. Um, and then we have a couple more stories uh, again that are very near completion that I'm excited to share with you all. Some stories about the ongoing. Uh, Very protracted fight over the construction of new jails in New York City. Uh, Some very thorough reporting on that that I'm really excited to bring to you all. So, uh, you know, if you're already uh, subscribed to Shadowproof or The Dissenter and you're making donations, you're helping us uh, publish freelance work, publish Kevin's journalism. Um, And, uh, yeah, I just highly encourage you to check out The Dissenter definitely subscribe there. We would really love to build it out and have more writers contribute to it. Kevin's been working very, very hard over there um, and has done tremendous work. So I highly suggest you go check it out. And uh, any other updates, Kevin, before we completely sign off? We have our birthday coming up, believe it or not, in the beginning of August. So we'll talk a little bit about there and uh about that when when we get closer and um you know if you think you might be able to support us that's a great time it's usually when we reflect on our past year and what we're building towards um so always a good time to check in on the work that we're doing and i just really appreciate everybody who's tuned in and commented and liked and shared and and so on and so forth thank you all very much um and with that we will catch you next week i hope everybody has a good weekend take care